We are back. We are back. Alan, it feels good to be back. Daniel feels amazing. Yeah. And, uh, for, you know, for me, it feels good because we're, we're about to talk Browns. We're about to talk some Browns, some Giants, not, not as fun Giants stuff. But I, I feel good, too, because we're about to uh, enter a week of spring break, get some, get, watch some nice college hoops. Um, but we're going to get to college hoops in a little bit. But first, let's you know, address the breaking news of the week, the current, the current. as we have been known to call it. It's electric up in here. And Nope, nope. Cut that. No, we can't cut it because there's no. I'm talking to no one. Okay, there's no producer here. No, okay, great. Many listeners. Many listeners. I'm saying like, um, no, no producer to right. talk to. Um, but yeah, the Giants uh, did a trade with the Browns. You know, Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zietler. You know, get some good offensive line. You know, get offensive line depth. You know, Vernon was good. It was injury prone. I think it would be good for the Browns. Uh, and nothing else happened in football. So great. Next. The week. Browns made a. Paradigm shifting move, a franchise shifting move in order to awaken the sleeping giant, in the words of John Dorsey. What what move was this? Resigned Ray Ray Armstrong. There it is. And Carl Davis. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Odo Beckham Jr. Was on the Giants. Now he's on the Browns. LBJ? Who? OBJ. Is, is, this is starting a whole new era in Cleveland. Not only where the Browns will be great, but where LeBron and Kyrie are coming home. Okay, I don't know about that what one. What odds okay. do you think it would be? A million to one? I think it it, it would I be say, like 100,000 to one. I that's think. not that bad. I'll put, that's pretty bad. I'll put it Excuse okay. me. I'll put a dollar on it if you want. Okay. I mean, go for it. The odds are probably better than that. I mean, worse than that. Um... But yeah, uh, I'm disappointed, confused. Uh, I've been walking a bit, a bit betrayed. I've been just kind of walking around, my living my life. But there's been a part of I, I've I've just been confused just after the Odell news. Um, for those who don't remember, uh, I'm a big New York Football Giants fan, and um, Allen's a Cleveland Browns fan, of course. So this trade, you know, hit close to home for the pod. Uh, you know, I think Jabril Peppers is a very good player. Um, I think Oda Beckham is a future Hall of Famer. So it didn't exactly feel so um, equitable. I mean, yes, we did get picks for it. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I feel like we're just tanking, but now we're wasting years with Saquon. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. P- pronounce Saquon's name with, an, with a T instead of an S. Taekwon? Taekwon. It's not Taekwon. It's Taekwon. Taekwon. Like Taekwon. Taekwon. No, I, I think he's going to have like two, another, another, like a 2,000-yard rushing season. But he's going to get the ball. I, don't, I think Gettleman's trying to you know, put a more pass, a, a more running run system in. But that's the exact opposite. You still need a wide receiver to you throw need a wide receiver. To. Corey Coleman's our number two. And Corey Coleman like, was really good in college. But he's our number two receiver. That's not good. Um... It's it's not good. You know <laughs> I can't the... I can't stress that enough. We let Landon Collins go. Why can't we just keep Landon Collins and you know, not get Jabril Peppers and keep Odell and then draft Dwayne Haskins and then we'd have a good team, like a, a, a okay team. Yeah. Daniel for but GM. We didn't we didn't do that. The only thing that I can maybe think. What's of, what's Gettleman's initials? DG. And what are your initials when you're GM? DG. D- Daniel GM. There it is. It's destiny. Daniel, you know one I think the funniest? Okay, a couple things. One, my friends are like, Alan, why didn't you answer for 45 minutes after the Odell news? It's the 21st century. It's yeah. 2019. You need to be on your phone every second. Mm-hmm. I was watching The Bachelor. That's okay. Do what, you happened? Know- what happened on The Bachelor, by the way? Okay. Um, basically, long story short, Colton and Cassie ended up together. Okay, double C's. Yes. I guess. CC. CC. CC Sabathia. Last year with the Yankees. Yankees. Going to win the 28th World Series. John, John New York, Morant, Cleveland. John Morant. We're going to get John Morant later. Um, but, but here's the thing. Yeah. Cleveland, New York, CC Sabathia. You were following the trade. CC Sabathia played in Cleveland and in New York. Who did CC Sabathia get traded for? From the Indians to, to the, the Brewers? Brewers? Uh, I, I have no idea. Do you know? 
Okay, I almost know. You almost know? Matt okay. Laporta. Move it away. Okay, I'm gonna look it up and we'll, we'll see. Um, definitely Matt Laporta. Um, there was a pitcher that was awful. I don't even know if he ever made it to the league. I'll get back to him. And then a player to be named later, who was Michael Brantley. Mm-hmm. The best piece of that trade. What was the player, what was the pitcher's first name? The other one? Yeah. There's two other pitchers. I'm think. There's. Give me the first name. Zach is one of them. First name of one of them. And Rob is a first name. Zach of Jackson. Correct. That's scary. That That's crazy that. that you know this. This was a. And this trade was in 2008. Okay. So you were 10 years old. Oh no. Maybe 11. And then, and then. No 10. Daniel. Um, and what was the first name of the other one? Rob. It's not Reisendorf. That's an outfielder. It's not Rob. First letter of last name. B. Second letter of last name. R. Oh. I don't know. Rob Bryson. Right. That's right. Okay, now we're going to play one more game. Okay. Who did the Indians trade Cliff Lee for? Oh, I feel like... To the Phillies? Yeah. The Phillies, okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you know? Jason Knapp. I want to say Brian Knapp, but I don't think that's Bri- it. Brian Knapp, shout out to JDS Basketball. Curfew was Jason Knapp. Was it Ben Francisco? Maybe. Okay, let's see. Carlos Carrasco, Jason Donald, Lou Marson, and Jason Knapp. So I got the got one. I got the most irrelevant guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So after that, I, I don't know what we just did, but CC no. Sabathia played for a New York team and a Cleveland team. Alan was watching The Bachelor. Okay. The initials yes. of the, 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 the <laughs> you know, Colton and Cassie, C and C, CC Sabathia. He actually was on top of the Giants and Cleveland Browns trade with Odell Beckham for Jabril Peppers, the, a first round pick and what, no, a third uh, round I pick. To, I wasn't on top of Bachelor. Oh, keep going. So Colton Underwood, the yeah. bachelor, was actually... Former, former football player. I know that. Did yeah, you? Yeah, I knew that. Did you remember him? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you see it. him hop the fence? I saw that. Beautiful. That was good form. I was... I felt bad about myself after watching. I was like, oh, what, oh. He's just... He hasn't been, like, necessarily exercising. He's just been, like, you know... Trust me, Daniel. He prob- probably is, Trust actually. me. He's been exercising. Wow. Okay, how come Tim Tebow wasn't on the bachelor? Let's be honest. I think Tim Tebow. I, I'm. I. I know this may be a hot take. I know people may not have said this before. I part of me distrust the validity of the actual of, of the show, The Bachelor. I feel like a lot of it may be staged. I feel like it may not be true love, and maybe that's the cynic in me. But and maybe I'm the only one to have this take. Um, I feel like that maybe. You're the case. my mom. And I think I think Tim Tebow. I think Tim Tebow is above that. He's focused on living his real life and his best life in the as Mets a minor leaguer for the Mets. I think he's going to make so, it, and I think he's going to have like a, a stretch where he's good, and then like people will figure him out. But I think he'll have that stretch. We'll have Tebow mania for like a week or two. I think it's going to be more Andre Ingram style, where like, they bring him up. May, but I think he can stick around. I don't know. I think, okay. I think he's better than people give him credit for. Let me, let me wrap up the Bachelor summary. Yeah, yeah. So I was watching The Bachelor, and that's why I was late to the OBJ news. It happens um, to everyone. I mean, Oh, I'm not saying I made the wrong decision. No, because, yeah, just, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Colton and Cassie. Yeah. Uh, And that was that. Also, you know what's so confusing? Giants and Jets fans. Yeah. A lot of Daniel and my friends here, and mine friends or whatever. Our friends. my, My granny isn't listening, so she's the one that corrects me a lot. Oh. And if you are, granny, I love you. And I'm happy you figured out how to work it. Um, and I'm going to visit soon. I come home very, very soon. Uh, his, his flight number is... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... What were we talking about? I don't know. It was oh, fire. our friends. Jets and okay. Giants fans. There are all these New Yorkers here. I don't remember if they're Giants or Jets fans. One Giants fan, Jordan, walked around in a green t-shirt the day after the bounce how, how are you doing that? How are you doing that? Does not everyone think of like colors as like, I don't know. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I mean, yes, Le'Veon Bell, for those who haven't heard, did sign with the Jets um, for much less money than he initially was going to get, um, that he probably wanted to get. Uh, I saw a funny thing. 
Shout out to um friend of the pod, the pod um, Jackson Frank, who posted like uh, what? Uh, let me pull it up. He said something like uh, shout out to Le'Veon Bell for signing like the same deal as like Yusuf Nurkic or something. It's so different. I don't like that. It's so Sorry, different, Jackson. but it, it it's it's funny because like if you think the the money is very different and. I think he was looking for some sort of wrecking-breaking deal. He didn't get that. I, I still think it's a good deal for him. I think he's going to. I think I do think the Jets will be pretty good. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, it's compared to the the other leagues. If you look at one contract and look at the other contract, it's a bit jarring to see how 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 much less the NFL deals are. But it's a total different, um, you know, a total different, totally different market. So. I, I think you can't really look too deep into that, but I thought it was pretty funny. Daniel, I think we got to get to the meat and potatoes here. I think we do. Speaking of looking too deep, someone that looks very deep into college sports, but not too deep in a bad way, too deep in a great way, because then he can come on the pod and give us his wisdom and help us out and give amazing, real insight. Into college hoops. His name is Mike Randall. No relation to Julius, to my knowledge. Not that we know of. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But and, and Mike, if you check this out, I think Zion is going to be similar to Julius Randle. Okay. Just more athletic. Okay. Okay. We'll and get to that before in, a, in a little bit. Respond, let's get into yeah. the interview. Let's jump into the interview. Enjoy our interview with the Mike Randall. Uh, we now welcome to the pod Mike Randall, uh, our first recurring guest. He's a fantasy football and college basketball expert. Um, he is the co-host of the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast and during football season, the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're honored to have him on today to uh, help us recap this NCAA basketball season and uh, take a look at what to watch for in the NCAA tournament. Welcome. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure to be back once again. We had such a good time last time. Now we're here for March Madness. I mean, it's content galore, right? Yes, sir. Um, but first, uh, we, were, we were talking before... Uh, we started recording a little behind the scenes. Off the air. Off the air. <laughs> off the record. About, um, you know, I'm a Giants fan. Alan's a Browns fan, as is well documented. It's not March Madness because of football? It's not March Madness because no. of football, but um, Odell Beckham has been traded to the Browns, and uh, we wanted to hear your take on it. I'll, I'm heartbroken. Alan's very pleased. Um, what are your Understatement. thoughts? Understatement. My thoughts are the following. I, obviously, you're seeing a lot on social media that people are criticizing Dave Gettleman. D'Angelo Williams came out and criticized him. The question is, could Odell Beckham flourish in the system that the Giants currently have? And I think the answer is no. I think if they had gotten rid of Eli Manning, brought in a rookie quarterback, made a full commitment here, I think obviously you keep him. But if they're going to go with the run, which I disagree with, and they're going to you know follow the old you know Carolina Panther two running back system, which I disagree with, then they got to let him go. Listen, you can't judge these trades until you see what the what picks they get. If they get two really good players, then so be it. But certainly on the surface, it's amazing. I saw the other day Cleveland has actually gotten to what are they seven to one to win the Super Bowl? I mean that's that's I think amazing it's like stuff. Fourteen maybe. We're the eighth best odds. <laughs> this is Wonderful. not this, this is, is not a dream. This is I put out on Twitter, this is a team that won one game from like two thousand fifteen to halfway through two thousand eighteen. <laughs> and now the odds. It's great, but they're loaded. I mean, you know, all the all the guys in there, give me a break. My my friends and I were joking, if it was Madden, we're already locked in for the Super Bowl. Like on paper, <laughs> it's as good as it gets. You got you got Chubb, you got Hunt. I mean, Landry now is is back to his normal thing. Odell on the outside and Joko, who I still love. Duke Johnson. I mean, the team is loaded. Higgins. <laughs> yeah, of course, Higgins. Yeah, exactly. Good old line. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think though, Daniel. Thank you for asking no me problem. about my no thoughts problem. about the OBJ yeah, trade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I think like the biggest thing about it, it brings the energy, the momentum yeah. that you need to. Like already the guys on the team are guys with a lot of swag um, and have like they, – they really bring the heat. And this could be like the final momentum boost needed to make a run for it. And people are like – people are like, um, oh, too many big personalities. And I'm like, no, I think these are guys that can really feed off of each other. And, and Mike, what do you think about Freddie Kitchens as a fit for the coach of this team? Well, 
I think you're going to a guy now who's really a player's coach. I mean, and I'm not a huge player's coach guy, but I am a dichotomy coach guy. So if you go from the player's coach to the strict disciplinarian, that will usually work for a certain period of time and then it'll go south. And if you go from the strict disciplinarian to the player's coach, that will work for a short period of time and then potentially go south. So listen, they like Kitchens. They support him. Hugh Jackson, the whole thing, nuts, you know, Greg Williams. But I think that the players are – you have enough talent. And listen, go back two years that we would be saying this. There's enough talent there that honestly, as long as he has their respect, he should be able to succeed. I agree, and I think like that was the biggest thing last year. With Kitchens is everyone just respects him so much. Like he's just this um, Midwestern, middle of the country farmer dude that's just all business. And these guys that you you have to respect. And, and another really cool piece that I saw, um, I forgot his first name, Henry, the wide receivers coach for the Browns, Adam Henry maybe, wide receivers coach for the Browns. He was actually Landry's. And Odell Beckham Jr.'s wide receiver coach in college. So that's like another really helpful piece of infrastructure that Freddie's got in place. Absolutely. The system is there. Dog pound for life. Let's go. Let's go. You you were you were on the train last year. I 100%. remember. You were taking the 100%. over. Hundred percent taking the over. And I love Tyrod, the whole thing. And by the way, Jacksonville, why don't you just bring in Tyrod? Okay, forget Nick Foles. Bring in Tyrod. The guy is serviceable, but you don't have to worry about that stuff now, guys. You have Baker. You're all set to go. This is the team of the future. Could we say dynasty? Is that too early? <laughs> yeah, honestly, why not? The Warriors <laughs> of the NFL. Mike, you're making Allen the happiest person in the world. He's <laughs> no, Odell Beckham. No, and and I will literally. I, I hear Daniel itching to get the college ball, so I'll wrap it up in one second. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> you need to thank John Dorsey. It is all him. Like, I don't. You don't need to, Daniel. And also, a little, I don't know if I want to thank Sashi Brown, because I still think we didn't need to go to the extreme, the extent that we went to. But you got to credit John Dorsey, Alfonso Highsmith, Elliot Wolf, and the whole team for going for it. On behalf of Cleveland, thank you guys. I, I, am, I am a Sashi guy. I still think Sashi would have won there, but you can't. You can't argue the fact that Dorsey has done a good job. You can't argue. You think you think Sashi would have taken Baker or Sam Darnold? See, that was the argument. I think he, I, all the metrics guys liked Baker. Baker was the one who measured out. The argument with Baker was he was too small or this or that or the whole thing on the sideline. So, yes, I think Baker fits the Sashi type of player. But regardless, I think Sashi did a lot. He gave you guys a ton of picks there. But, but now Dorsey came in, and he's taken it to a, a good level. So, you know, I think credit goes around everybody. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of talk about how the Browns, uh, you know, could be really great. But there's a quick counterpoint for the Giants. We have a uh, Jawil Davis and Quadri Henderson. Who? So, <laughs> as our as our wide receivers, um, you Corey, know, Coleman. Corey Coleman, Sterling Shepard. I think we're stacked as well. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, there's good players on both sides of the trade. I think, especially the wide receiver. And last last football Browns point. Mike, in the middle of March, March 14th, what's your wins prediction for the Browns? It can change, but what are you feeling? I'd set the over-under at nine and a half. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that every day of the week. It used to be zero. So it used to be be 0.5. Negative 0.5. Wait, Alan, that's impossible. No. (laughs) It can happen. (laughs) Yep. All right, so let's jump into college hoops. You know, people are starting to think about their brackets. The, the seating is not out yet. We wanted to get you in a little earlier because um, we have spring break. It starts tomorrow. Which I need, man. We, we, we both need very much. And then just to watch hoops, basically. Um, so we wanted to, you know, get our listeners a sense of what's been going on. Maybe they've been watching a lot of the NBA, the NFL, haven't really been following what's going on in college hoops. So, you know, we thought who better to bring in than Mike Randall. To, no. You know, get everyone, get everyone on track. So, um, selection Sundays in like what three days? Best day. Yeah. Of so I can't, um, I'm actually I'm actually not going to sleep for seven consecutive days, so I can't wait. That that's the way to be. I mean, like not necessarily like health wise, like for people who, like you know not watching basketball, sleep. But for those <laughs> watching basketball, it's okay. Um, just before we get into anything, just to get an overall sense of the season, um, who are your number one seeds? Okay. Uh, I'm 
I'm a U, I'm a UVA guy. I'm mm-hmm. a Tony Bennett Redemption Tour guy. I think that loss last year to UMBC has been massively overblown. Everyone's like, oh, they lost to a 16 seat. Well, hold up a second. First of all, last year DeAndre Hunter, who's going to be a lottery pick this year, mm-hmm. was injured and was out. The reason nobody talks about that is because you look at Virginia's scoring last year, and everyone averaged 12. So right. people got upset and said, oh, well, he wasn't a big deal. No, he was a big deal to them. However, uh, I don't think it was. It was the same, equivalent of basically like a middle. Tennessee State upsetting Michigan State back in 2015. It was right. a 215. People get caught up in the seats. So number one, I like Virginia. I think mm-hmm. they've been solid. They're in the ACC. They've been dominant. With Zion Williamson back, you have to give Duke a one seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you have to. I mean, they've just been. They can't. They can't shoot from three. And without Zion, they're they're weak. They're mediocre. But he will be back. He's going to play tonight. I just saw on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So certainly, I think they're a one seed as well. The other one who's been dominant is Kentucky. Kentucky has been fantastic with Ashton Hagens. They have some great wins here they're 10 and 4 against quadrant one opponents 10 wins against quadrant one opponents yeah. so they've been, they've been in the sec they've been great now reed travis has been out but he should be coming back shortly they're dominant as well and my fourth number one seed is going to be north carolina i'm going to bump back tennessee i'm going to bump back gonzaga with that really? god awful loss to oh, st yeah. mary's north carolina has all the pieces roy williams doesn't bonk two years in a row and he has the same schematic he always does he has kobe white the star point guard who's been playing fantastic the freshman for them and he has the prerequisite bigs the kennedy meeks the isaiah hicks like mm-hmm. players that he had a couple of years ago and he has a style so yes i'm giving you three acc number one seeds in kentucky and now i, I gotta keep the balance not to get too college basketball heavy is that okay, okay. Um, so one quick question um what are your thoughts on zion as an nba prospect i think Here's the thing. I think Zion is going to have a lasting career in the pros, but I do think, guys, that he's been massively overrated in terms of the number one pick in the draft. He's really 6'6". People are going to tell you 6'8". He's probably 6'6". And I understand that he's 285 pounds, and that's a freak. He may be the best athlete we've seen along with LeBron. Great. Fantastic. But, guys, if I had a point guard who was 7'5", that's unique, too. Is that good? So Zion can't play the power forward position because he's too small in the he's NBA. A he, and he can't play shooting guard because his ball handling skills and his shooting isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So I would not draft him number one. I would take John Moran of Murray State or PJ Washington of of Kentucky. I think they're a better fit. There are guys who dominate in the in college and aren't great in the pros. He's gonna sell tickets, he's gonna win a dunk contest. But so did Harold Miner, so did Dee Brown, so did Kenny Skywalker. None of those guys are like Hall of Fame guys. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I think Zion is a tremendous college player. I think he's outstanding. He was the ACC player of the year. Absolutely no problem. But I would not take him number one. I think John Moran steps in from day one and is a starting shooting guard in the NBA, a la Latrell Sprewell. Okay. So I cannot respect your opinion enough. I, that's a positive thing to wake. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. good. I really agree with you. I think that that at the end of the day, like, you you watch him play, and again, great freak athlete, but the basketball skills aren't elite enough for me, in my opinion. Daniel, he is cringing. His face, it's tough for him, but Daniel, I disagree with you. So, Mike, if I ever become an NBA GM, would you be down to uh, – I want that mindset. In my yeah, front office. Listen, I w- guys, I went through this a bunch of years ago. I was arguing that Kevin Durant should be the first pick over uh, Greg Oden, and people called me an idiot. I'm called an idiot all the time on Twitter. It's fantastic. <laughs> Z- Zion Williamson is shooting 29% from three-point range, and I understand he's shooting 68% from the field, but he's dunking on everyone. To be honest, guys, if you may be put in order, I'd probably go John Morant, P.J. Washington, R.J. Barrett, and then Zion. I just what position is he going to play? That that's the question. He's not going to be able to overpower. He's not getting ten rebounds a game in the NBA at six six. It's not happening. The best comparison I heard to him is Charles Barkley. Okay, if you want to bet on him being a top fifty player of all time in the pros, so be it. If he is, you've justified the pick. If he's not, I'm right. That's a good way, but I I I don't disagree that it's it's kind of hard to place him in the NBA. I do disagree with saying that he does not have translatable skills because like he he really does so many things well on the court that you know as as a rim protector as a, as a 
as a kind of like um, a help defender. Also, as he's a, he's a high level passer. He has much higher basketball IQ than people realize, probably because they're distracted by his athleticism. I think his athleticism is one of the things that makes him great, but I think it also takes away the focus from all the other things he does well. That's my that's my view. You can argue for John Morant, you know, being like a guy you can put in day one as as your point guard or shooting guard on an NBA team who can who has all the translatable skills, or R.J. Barrett, who's a prototypical wing. But um, I, I don't know. I, I feel that you there's a chance we get something with Zion that we maybe have not seen in a, in, in a, lo- a long time. You, you, you just pointed out, like, very important skills. But those aren't the skills that are, are going to transcend a franchise, that are going to take a franchise to a next level, in my opinion. Let's get back to college ball, Daniel. Just one more point on that. I think, okay. I, I think the, the, the reason that that view is had is because of his lack of a consistent jump shot right now. But we have to remember he's 19 years old and things change. Colin Sexton. Well, here's the thing. That's a fair point. It can. And that was part of my reason for loving De'Aaron Fox over Alonzo Ball. I was putting that out on Twitter all over the place because I said, I think Fox has everything you need. He can develop the jump shot. I will say this, guys, every year, if you go back in the NBA draft, two of the top five players bunk. Every single year, if you go back draft to draft, you, you, they bonk. Look at 2017. You're ready? Now think of the mindset that was going on in 2017 before the draft. Markel Fultz went first. How's he doing? Lonzo Ball went second. How's he doing? So two, it was Fultz, Ball, Tatum, Josh Jackson who's coming around lately, mm-hmm. and De'Aaron Fox. Right now, Tatum's fades a little bit. You could argue Fox is the best player of those five. I, I would say Fox so, is definitely the best. So, so, so just remember, two of the five players usually bonk. There's never been a year where all five are great. So when you look at those top five, if you want to say that you like Zion, I get it. I totally get it. But just tell me the other guy who's going to bonk. That's what you have to remember. And if you can't find, it's like it's like poker. If you can't identify the sucker at the table, you're the sucker. If you can't identify which guy is going to bonk, then it could be the guy who's first. Why, why, why do these NBA GMs miss, though, when they have all the resources in the world to, to yeah. I think they. I think sometimes you, you got to remember it's not. It's not black or white. When you play poker, it's not just the metrics. It's also feel. So there's people who just go by feel and ignore the metrics. That's dumb. And there's people who go by metrics and ignore the feel. That's dumb. You can tell me that somebody's a physical freak, right? Like Jonathan Isaac. I heard a lot about Jonathan Isaac. He's so tall. Here. Great. Is it translatable? That's the issue. There's many guys scouting combine this and that who can do stuff. And then you get a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Remember him? He was not great at Louisville. I was out there. I was wrong about this one. I'm saying, why is Donovan Mitchell going out? He went to the combine. He killed it. And now he's great. So it's not a, it's not a one size fits all. Zion could be great. He could be an athletic freak who's great, or he could be an athletic freak who's not. And at the same point, PJ Washington may not translate. So you got to look at it, decide, am I a metrics guy? Am I a field guy? And then put it together and make your decision. It's exactly like poker. So, so bringing it back to uh, a more of a tournament focus, you know, we're seeing teams punch their tickets, um, especially mid-major teams. Who, who are three mid-major teams that people should look out for as potential bracket busters this year? A, learn how to pronounce them. B, learn how to pick them all the way through the bracket. Wofford. It's not Wilford. It's Wofford. Yep. Wofford has dominated the SoCon. The SoCon this year has had a fantastic season between Wofford, Furman, and UNC Greensboro, and you can throw in East Tennessee State, but they're probably not going to make it. They've had a great year. They are Wofford is a dominant mid-major program. They have taken everyone's best punch. They've destroyed teams. They won at North Carolina last year. They had a close game against North Carolina this year. They played Mississippi State. They are not going to be intimidated, and Fletcher McGee is one of those flammable scorers who can carry a team by himself. I love Wofford this year. Mm-hmm. Next up, Next up in the Mid-American, I love Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is a team I picked preseason to the Final Four. They have everything you need. They won at West Virginia earlier in the year. They challenged themselves. I know that doesn't look great, but the beginning of the year, West Virginia was ranked, and they went in there and beat them in the yeah. first game of the year. Mm-hmm. They shoot the three well. They're well coached. Nick Perkins is a defensive matchup coming off the bench, a big guy who can shoot and rebound. And C.J. Massenburg is a clutch scorer. So that's a second team that I like that can cause some damage. And then I'll, you want one. One more, the other one I'll look at is Utah State in the Mount mm-hmm. West. Yep. I was big on Nevada preseason. I pumped Nevada. And then, in, as it turns out, Nevada struggled against Utah State. 
and they struggled against New Mexico, and they struggled against San Diego State, which made no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. So Utah State is a team that I really want to hope they make it, make it in. I think they will. They have the Mountain West Player of the Year in Sam Merrill, which mm-hmm. is saying something because Nevada returned all those guys. Yeah. Nimi Keita is yeah. the Defensive Player of the Year, and their head coach, Craig Smith, has been fantastic. He is the uh, Mountain West Coach of the Year. They play a deliberate style, and they have the absolute best two-point defense in the league, in, in the country, rather, against the two-pointer inside the arc. So those are my picks there for mid-majors that can make a run. So, got, so um, listeners, remember those three teams. I mean, Wofford and Buffalo will probably be, be, be seated pretty high, so those they'll probably even be favored in their first games, yep. um, seed-wise. But um, Utah yep. State will probably... Sneak in on the eleven or twelve line, so yep, or no, sure. I'm sorry, the ten or eleven line, and um, that's definitely a pick to make. I may be making that pick myself. Yep. Um, how were how yeah. were your mid major picks last year? If I may oh, they ask. were oh they they were pretty good. I you know what's interesting is people have to realize the teams that are in trouble against the mid major are those that have medi. I hate the mediocre. Big teams that get into the draft, those with like eight and ten records in conference, things yeah. like that. So when those mid majors play those teams, the one that comes back to me immediately was years ago Wichita State. Remember when they were like the, the, the team du jour? Mm-hmm. They ended up they ended up playing um, Kansas in the second round, and I remember seeing this game in the second round. It was like a two versus seven game. And Wichita State was a three-point favorite over Kansas, who was a two-seed. And I'm like, walking into the bank is automatic. But last year, there were some, you know, Buffalo beating Arizona was a nice one. I thought they would cover. I didn't think they'd win it outright. Mm -hmm. I did love Loyola Chicago. I loved them absolutely all the way through. I actually had them losing to Tennessee. I thought Tennessee was going to make it through. But I absolutely had Loyola Chicago over Miami. They were hot most of the time. And then for the other mid-majors, you know, it was dangerous. It was interesting. Houston was one that was sort of middle of the road there mm-hmm. and they need that jordan pool three to get by michigan uh, uh for michigan to get by them yeah you never you never know what can happen but be careful of those smaller six to ten schools there mm-hmm. when they go against mediocre big teams because once they win that first round if they get hot they're dangerous yep and that that kind of leads into our next question which is you know discussing the those power five teams like indiana clemson nc state and you know, how they compare to mid-major teams competing for at-large bids like mm-hmm. Belmont, Greensboro, Furman, and Lipscomb, who recently lost in their conference tournaments. How, how do you feel the selection committee should weigh, and um, how do you personally weigh those teams? I hate having mediocrity in the tournament. It drives me absolutely nuts. Now, if you're going to put a mediocre big school in, then what I want to see you put in is the team that has got scalding hot at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I have no interest in TCU. None. Do not no. put TCU in the tournament. I know today it could maybe be Kansas State because Kansas State is no Dean Wade. I get that. No interest. But on the flip side, you're going to think I'm nuts. I'm fine with Indiana getting in. They right. beat Wisconsin at home. They beat Michigan State at home. They beat Illinois away, which isn't easy. They beat Rutgers at home. Suppose they beat Ohio State today, and then mm-hmm. they beat Michigan State again. If you're, gonna, right. if you're going to give me one of those teams, give me the team that's hot. Don't give me a crap roller coaster up-down team that ends up having a couple big wins. Because, guys, mm-hmm. my argument is if you're in a big conference, you're going to get big wins eventually. It happens right. just by default. So I don't care that back in December you got a big win. Congratulations. Congratulations. Great job. Nobody cares. The best case in point to me is West Virginia. West Virginia isn't making the tournament, guys. They're 12 and 19, 4 and 14 in conference. But did you know they beat Kansas, they beat Oklahoma, they beat TCU, and they mm-hmm. beat Iowa State? Yeah. Why? Because eventually you get big wins. Right. So right. I, if you're going to give me a team over a small, dominant mid-major, I don't want to see a dominant. I don't want to see like a fourteen and two team not get in. But if you're going to give me a team, give me a team that's hot at the end of the year because I think they're playing their best basketball when it matters. Definitely agree with that. So um, I was at the Maryland Michigan game, which was a great game. Awesome, and yeah. I kind of I kind of fell in love with Michigan. Uh, what do you Come think? On, go, don't, you don't go here, man. I know, I know, I go here. I'm not saying my heart is with Maryland. Okay, okay? sure, yeah. But as a pot, how do you pronounce it? Ignis Brazdakis yep. is my is boy. He? Is he? Sure. He, he was. By the way, I think he can be a good NBA player. Just sure. he, the way he slashes, can finish with his opposite hand. I don't remember which one it was, but it was. He's a lefty. He's a lefty. Lefty, right? So the way he finishes with his right hand inside, huge fan. And by the way. 
who is it? Was it Xavier, Xavier Simpson's hook shot, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, that's, yes. That's the craziest shot in NCAA. Yep. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. It's Crazy. That shot and the Fletcher McGee going every direction three. So Those what, are the two craziest shots in college basketball. What are your thoughts on Michigan possibly making a run for it all? My partner and I last year on the Screen the Screener podcast were debating about Purdue versus Michigan all year. He was a Purdue guy. I was a Michigan guy. We eventually called it a draw because Michigan beating Purdue without Isaac Haas when he got injured and Vince Edwards is really isn't fair. But I loved Michigan all year. And by the way, I have a team this year that I love all year. So I'm going all in on them again. We'll get to that a little bit later. I like Michigan guys, but the way that the best they were playing was earlier in the year blew out Villanova away, mm-hmm. beat North Carolina big time at home. They were doing that when they were making threes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like their three-point shooting has been a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. They have fantastic defense. They are number two in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency as per King Palm. Luke Yaklich has done a fantastic job. Offensively, they're 18th as well. But they're only 136 from beyond the arc. In the absence of a great post player, and Mo Wagner was really good for them last year. Teske's okay. He's fine. But I am a little worried about them. I am because I think without getting consistent three-point shooting, they can be had inside, which is why Michigan State, even though they've been limited, has beaten them twice because they can't stop Cassius Winston. So for me, it's a matchup-dependent thing. Do I like them? Yes. Do I like them as much as last year? No. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have to ask. We were talking about the, the Michigan game. We're Terps. We go to Maryland. What are your thoughts on our Terps? Boy, it's amazing. If you look on paper, Maryland has everything that you would want. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Cowan is a really underrated point guard. He does it all. He's like a, he's, he's, a, he's in essence a triple-double type of guy. Bruno Fernando, by the way, has – I mean, I feel like he's gained like 30 pounds of muscle from last year. Yeah. He is a dominant big man inside. You have a lot of guys on the outside there who can shoot three-pointers, Jalen Smith, etc. But the question is Terjan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the question for me. And I tend to default to really strong coaching. I don't like guys that at the end of the year, they get blown out. Didn't lose. They get blown out at Penn State away. Yeah. Okay. They've lost to Michigan twice, even though they match up fairly well with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the win over Minnesota, I thought needed to be a little bit more impressive. Listen, I, I think they're going to crush Nebraska. I get that. I think they have everything that you need. I th- the, th- the thing that stays positive with me is, to me, Mark Turgeon is Bruce Weber. Like, that's the same type of coach. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Weber made a run last year. Yeah. So, Fernando is a, is, is a massively huge piece inside. They need to make their threes. Again, they shoot kind of the same as Michigan, but them shooting 35.5% from three-point range and having Fernando is different than Michigan shooting 35.1% and having John Teske. So I like them on paper. They can absolutely make a run. I think the book is out on Turgeon, but statistically they have everything you need. Yeah, I, I remember earlier in the season, um, I mean, Bruno, Bruno is a beast. You know, the, 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 the development from year one to year two has been pretty crazy in terms of just his polish around the basket, his defensive impact, all the instincts he has. Just that we can throw the ball to him and run our offense through him. You know, now he's a, a good passer out of double teams. So uh, a lot of things have improved for him. But something I remember with Turgeon, you know, I, I do think, you know, sometimes our offense gets stagnant. And mm-hmm. at the end of a game, it was the end of the on-the-road Purdue game. The game at Purdue, we were down one and we had like two something, 2.5 seconds left. And um, we had like, a, you know, we had to throw it to Cowan as a last resort. Oh my God, wait, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah we threw it to Cowan as a last resort and, you know, he got blocked by, you know, who was it? It was like... um. Who blocked him? It was um, Nojo Eastern, I think, blocked him. Um, and that was the game. And he said after, like, yeah, I probably should have put in more out-of-bounds plays. And I was thinking, like, what, what do you mean? Like, you work with these guys all year. How do you not have, you know, a good out of, a couple out-of-bounds plays to go to here where, you know, you can get the ball inside to Bruno no. or have like, at least a couple options there, you know? I, I thought the way it went down, it might have been before or after this, where they tried to get in an out-of-bounds play, didn't work, they had to call a timeout, and then they, um, and then they like, drew up another play. There was, like, one second left or something. Yeah. It was so obvious they were going to run a Bruno 
um, screen lob, and lob, lob to the basket. And I'm like, you got nothing more creative than that? Purdue yeah. stopped it with ease because they knew right. it was coming. And it's like, yeah, the, the coaching is – I don't know. We'll see though. We'll see. I think he's a good coach. I think I think um, he doesn't – it's not always maximizing what we have. That's it, and that's the question because coaching matters to me. I, that's a big – when I'm looking at two teams, guys, that makes a huge difference to me. Like, for example, Archie Miller's a good coach. I don't care they've had a crappy year. He's a good coach. And throw in the fact that the team that always gets in that shouldn't get in, quote-unquote, goes on a run, whether you're talking about Syracuse, mm-hmm. um, you know, went on a run a few years ago, uh, last year as well, in fact. You know, team UCLA, a couple of years ago, they beat SMU because I, I lost that bet. I was so mad about that early mm-hmm. on. Oh, yeah. Nick Moore on a three. So um, that's my point is I like – the book is still out on Turgeon. So if they, ha- it depends on the matchups. They could absolutely make a run. I could be, you could, this could be this year's Kansas State, hundred percent. So um, before we get into a quick rapid fire, um, one more, you know, kind of uh, meteor question. If someone has not yet watched any college basketball, they're the March fans, and I, I can't stand when people say like, "I watch in March." You got to watch in November. But <laughs> it, you know. What's one sentence to sum up this college basketball season to kind of like tell people they're like, hey, what's going on? And you say, and this is the sentence. What is that sentence? There are a ton of top heavy teams with a bunch of Davids lurking to knock them off. It's it's polarizing. It's top heavy, really not much in the middle, which is why the bubble is weak. Mm -hmm. And it's the low teams. So it's the Goliaths, but watch out for those few Davids. I love that. That's 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 perfect. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> okay, so now we get let's get into some bracket rapid fire. Just gonna throw like eight or nine teams out there, and you tell us how what their ceiling is. How far can they go in the tournament? This is fantastic. I'm gonna steal this segment. Go ahead. Oh, yes, <laughs> do. Okay. First is Duke with Zion, as they are now. Could win the national title. I don't think they will, but could. So, but now Duke, if they didn't have Zion. Uh, first round upset. Wow. So that's oh, they're, they're, without him, they're terrible, guys. Jack White, enough. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. It's sad. <laughs> he, Jack White's a nice guy, though. If you watch like the Duke documentaries, he seems like a really nice person. That's great. Yes, and, and, that's, and that's great when he missed 28 consecutive three-pointers that's true. this year. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a good point. Okay, uh, uh, Florida State. Gosh, it's the same thing as Maryland. Leonard <laughs> Hamilton. So much talent, so much talent, but they find a way to not make the final four. So I'll say elite eight ceiling. Okay, Murray State with Ja Morant. Uh, they are limited with with Ja. I love Ja, um, but Belmont was miss, missing Nick, Nick Musinski, mm-hmm. their their yep. third leading scorer center. Uh, they're one and done. Love Ja though; he could put up forty, but they're one and done. No, you need a little deeper than that. Yeah, they, no, could, I, they, I, could, I, they could steal one. You know, if, if he gets hot, but. Yeah. He'd have to get credit. They really aren't. I thought they were good. They should have lost to Jacksonville State when Jason Burnell got that tech for flexing right, on the ground. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I love him. I love Job. I would pick Job first, but I just don't think Murray State, Shaq Buchanan, right. big Shaq Buchanan guy, I'm not. But go ahead. All right. Uh, Houston. You know, when you rebound as well as Houston does and you effort as well as Houston does, they can absolutely make the final four. My partner and I argued about this because the question was, do we do do I think Houston can win a national title? He said, absolutely not, but they can make the final four. I said, what's the difference? It's two games. He's like, well, it's a big two games. To me, it's not. Loyola Chicago could have made the finals last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and look at all the upset we've seen. So personally, they can absolutely make a final four 100%. They could win a title, but probably not. So I'll say Final Four, but I'm not saying they can't win. I'm saying they're likely sealing as Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, one more team we haven't talked about, um, Texas Tech, the the Red Raiders. Love the Ra- – and, and I'm going to give you one more too because I, I can't get off this podcast without giving you my favorite team. Oh, go Texas Tech has a great coach in Chris Beard. Culver's got to assert himself and become their go-to guy. Moretti's been banging threes. Their three-point percentage was terrible all year. Now they're hot. Texas Tech can absolutely win a national title. Absolutely can. If Culver scores consistently, they can make it because their defense is so far better than anyone else in the country. All right. So you've you've been been, uh, kind of teasing us. Who is this team? You may think that the Pac-12 has been terrible, and they have. And you may think that those teams aren't worth anything, and most of them aren't. But, fellas, 
the Washington Huskies mm. are absolutely making the Sweet 16. Wow. I can't wait to see Washington in the 7-10 game and then have them play a two-seat. They are a matchup nightmare. They have Mike Hopkins, who's a disciple of Bayheim. Mm-hmm. You know how well Syracuse has played. They play that zone. Now, people have cooled off of Washington because they haven't played great lately. You know mm-hmm. why? Teams in the Pac-12 are seeing their zone for the second time. Right. But what you don't want to see is you don't want to win your opening game in a snooze fest against a 15 and then play the Washington Huskies on one day to play that zone. Noah Dickerson inside a senior is a really solid big man. Mm-hmm. David Crisp is a gutty point guard. And the Pac-12 Player of the Year, Jalen Noel, sophomore, is the best closer you've never heard about. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even talked about the back-to-back defensive player of the year in the Pac-12, Matisse Thibault, who, along with Zion, is the only player in the country to be averaging two blocks, two plus blocks and two plus steals a game. Yeah, it was like three they, steals, right? Like three and a half a game or something? Yeah. They are a matchup nightmare, and wouldn't it be poetic justice, guys, to see the Pac-12's terrible, nobody cares, East Coast bias, and the Huskies make it through. I can't wait to see them in the 7-10 game and then to put them on from their battle versus the two. I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. I'm telling you, I don't care what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. They are a matchup nightmare, without a doubt. All right, everyone. You heard it here first, Mike. We're gonna have to have you like send us like at least that part of the bracket to make sure that you're not just. This is not for show. You have you got to put nope. this in. Do you tweet no. out your bracket, guys? I guys, I don't care. I will absolutely put out. What we do is I I do my bracket picks on the screen, the screener podcast, and Sweet. I put it out. People accuse me of having hot takes. No, guys, I just have takes. There At this is. point, I've watched so much basketball yes. that I have strong opinions. Nothing is worse than mediocre opinions. Nobody cares. There's teams I love and there's teams I hate. I'm a math guy. I say what I believe. I do not exaggerate it. I'm telling you right now. You're, you're a math guy with, I would think, it feels like the feel, you know? You take both sides and balance it out. That's all you could ever ask for. Yeah, I want to guys, see- I, guys, I love the numbers. I'll sit at home and do a regression analysis with anyone. But let me ask you a question. If you're 10 feet from the door and you continue to walk halfway to the door, do you ever mathematically reach the door? No. But in reality, you do. So you have to balance <laughs> the math and you have to balance the reality. It so it's, it's feel and it's gut. But in the end, all you pick in your brackets – it comes down when you're playing poker. Does the other person have it? Yes or no. So when you look at your bracket, do you think they're going to win? Yes or no. And that's a result you can live with. Mike, I think that's that's beautiful advice for both for us, for uh, you know our listeners, and life. for life in general. Um, we really do appreciate you having you on, and uh, Thank you. enjoy the next uh, you know month of hoops. You got it, fellas. Keep up the great work. Yeah, Love the thank pod. You. Thank you. Go Browns. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I'm speechless. Shout out and thanks to Mike Randall for coming on, sharing some wisdom, getting us all ready for the, the NCAA tournament that's going to consume my life. I'm not sure about everyone else. All you guys, it's definitely going to consume my life for the next couple weeks um, with, with awesome things. Um, yeah, just amazing stuff. I'm getting a little hot. Are you now? Yes. You should open a window or turn on the AC. We have AC now this year. Really? In our apartments, you know. AC. Versus uh, in the past. In the past. Last year, I had no AC. Um, which led to a show full of hot takes because it was very, very hot. But now we we're able to kind of control, you know, the warmth of each take. So we can, you know, turn up the heat when we want it. But when we don't want it, we can kind of be cool and confident. But Alan, yes. you said it's getting hot in here. Mm-hmm. Killian Mbappe. Okay. Is this a hot take or just yes. a name? Hot take. So Bring Anchor. Whoosh. Our beloved, beloved Anchor yes. updated their analytics on uh, our listeners. Yeah. 89% are in the United States. Yes. Within that 89%. Break it down. 25% are Maryland. 17% OH. IO. 16% California. Thank you, Zach Bally. Just 10% District of Columbia. What's District of Columbia? 8% New York. 6% Virginia. 3% Washington. State. State. 
3% you know New Jersey, 1% Pennsylvania, 1% Texas, Alex, maybe? Maybe. 1% Florida, 1% Illinois. And then... But most importantly, Daniel, let's step back. Let's take a step back. 4% of our listeners are from France. So what are you saying? Kylian Mbappe. Is our... He's the 4%? Our hot take is Kylian Mbappe is a huge fun, fun fan. Fan, a fun fan. A fun fan. A fun fan fun of the Sack and Shelf pod. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Killian. Does I, he, did he speak English? I would assume so. Should French we, or smart. Do you know any uh, French? Do yes. You? Okay. Parlez-vous anglais. Killian, if you are listening, DM us, okay? And we're going to ask you a question and answer us in your native tongue. Um, the answer... And, um, you know, then we'll know you're actually listening. So, Alan, what, what, what's our message? Okay. Salute Kilian. Salute Kilian. Mon nom est Alan. But you already know that. Right. Kilian. Parlez-vous anglais. What's that mean? Do you speak English? Perfect. And if he says, si, in our DMs. Si, Sabathia. See, see, Sabathia, it all comes full circle. So if we don't hear back from Killian, we're going to assume that we're gonna it pull isn't back him? This hot, we're going to pull back this hot take and give a, a, another hot take right. to make up for it. Um, yeah. and uh, Quick but pause pro- pro- Probably not. But here, here's my hot take. Yeah. It, it's, it's in a similar vein. Um, I'm kind of concerned with our, um, how we're reaching the market. This may be for our business meeting later. But, the, but I'm going to share with everyone because I think transparency is important. Um, 100% of our listeners are from Earth. We <laughs> Anchor actually has this thing where it tells you what? Your, what your listenership is like on other planets. So Mercury, 0%. Mars, 0%. Jupiter, 0%. Saturn, surprisingly, 0%. Um, I think we're doing a poor job with outreach. Uh, I think we need to improve it. And if anyone has any suggestions for how to reach those you know, more, more distant markets... Um, if Elon Musk has any ideas or any of our, any of our closer friends besides Elon Musk, who's just a, he's more of a, you know, acquaintance. Um, if I, I, I'm just, you know, spitballing here. If anyone has any ideas, you know, you know, satellite. Daniel, what's your Twitter password, by the way? Oh, our Twitter password? Should we we wait? Uh, Maybe we should wait till afterwards, but you know, I guess business is, you know, is public these days. My Twitter password is, you know, it's gotta be. Soccer Shot Pod is the greatest podcast in the whole world, and if anyone is still writing this in the Twitter password, then joke's on you, because the password to actually Soccer Shot Pod is the second best podcast in the whole world. To Mike Randall. To Mike Randall's podcast. Um, we have, we hopefully have some very exciting guest star news coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, and... I think that's it. I'm Sock. I'm Shaf. And this together... Uh, we didn't plan that. We're the Sock, Sock and Shop pod. pod. Stay tuned for the body issue. Sock Shop Pod bod issue. Nope. Have a good day. Be in touch. Enjoy watching a lot of hoops. Baseball starts soon. It's a big time for sports. If you're going on spring break, enjoy your spring break. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.